Welcome to the Free From Binge Eating Podcast with me, Breed, your host. Binge eating sucks. Trust me, I know. I was stuck in that spiral of binge, restrict, diet, yo-yoing weight loss, feeling guilty and ashamed, and hating my body for 10 years. Now that I'm out, I'm turning my pain into purpose by helping you stop binging, start loving your body, self, and life again. It's time to live free from binge eating. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to Free With Breed. I'm Breed, your host, and I can't wait to get into this episode. It's going to be a little bit of a different one today. What it's going to be is a bit of a, a Q&A. Basically, you guys asked me a ton of questions on Instagram in the past week when I asked you, you know, those like boxes that you put where it says, ask me anything. So many questions came in all about recovery, binge eating, um, food freedom, the 30 day reboot, just like lots of questions. And I answered them all my story, but I thought it would be worth putting it here in a more permanent format. So I am not going to dilly dally. Let's get in. Let's get into this. First question that came through was, is it normal to gain weight during recovery? And to that I say it is completely normal. It's different for everyone really, so it's not that you expect everyone to gain weight, but it is it is normal to gain weight in recovery. If you do gain weight, it's a sign that your body probably really needed it. And why did it need it? Well, for many of us, our body had been so restricted for so long, such a consistent period of time with, you know, maybe pockets of binges here and there, that once you finally you know, move into recovery where you're lifting restrictions, you're giving yourself full permission, you stop dieting, you stop this up and down, and you start giving your body consistent nourishment and enough nourishment, then it's likely that weight gain will happen. Not only because you're now probably eating more, but also because your metabolism has probably taken quite a hit from those years or months or however long it has been of yo-yo dieting. Your metabolism because you were restricted for so long, has adapted and was at a lower rate. So now that you're eating more on a consistent basis, it's just going to take a bit of time for your metabolism to adapt and increase, basically. Anyway, if you do gain weight, it's a sign that your body really did need it. Because in recovery, what's the goal is we want to move back to listening to our body, letting your body lead the way, and not what we've been doing for, you know, this whole time with our mind, Letting our mind, which is so full of fear of weight gain, fear of what people are going to think of our body, um, fear of losing control. The mind has been telling you to cut back, to diet, to use food to numb emotions. But now in recovery, since we're listening to our body, the body will do what it needs to do if we get out of its way. So it's going to gain weight if it needs to. It's going to lose weight if it needs to. It's going to maintain if it needs to. Recovery is really the time to respect what the body needs after years of policing and silencing. And yes, what the body needs might not be what your ego wants, and that's why it's scary for so many, but this is the time to choose this different path. It's also the perfect time, while you know this may be happening, to work on your fear of weight gain and what's behind it, any fat phobia, because that's going to help a lot, a lot. Okay, let's move to the next question. What can I do when I start binging as soon as I start eating? So to me, this screams physical restriction. If you, you know, as soon as you start eating, it's like this floodgates are open and you just like binge uncontrollably. That's a sign to me that your body needs more food. 
when it when binges feel so out of control, so urgent, unstoppable, like you're possessed, to me that's the sign that it is a survival the survival instincts being switched on from your body. Your body is taking over. There's nothing your mind can like uh, convince your body against. You can't convince yourself that you don't need a binge in those moments. It's so hard because your body is taking over, and that's a good thing because it's a sign you were not eating enough. If that's the case that you're binging as soon as you start eating, I would definitely recommend assessing honestly whether you are fueling your body with enough food during the day, during the week, and enough diversity as well. What I always say is prevention is easier than cure when it comes to binging. It's much easier to work to prevent those binges, i.e. by making sure you're fueling yourself all through the week instead of trying to stop it in the moment while it's happening. That is, I'm sure you know, that just feels completely impossible and unrealistic. Okay, next question was a bit of a fun one. Um, I'll go quickly through this one. So favorite food, so tough, but maybe half-cooked warm gooey cookies, maybe, or maybe just cookie dough, I don't know. It's so tough. Um, to how did I meet my boyfriend? Well, uh, that was like three years ago. I was working at a startup, a small startup. He was in another small startup and we were in this co-working space that was not fancy at all, not like a WeWork kind of thing. And we had a mutual friend and my colleague was his friend. And then at a summer party, I had my eyes on this Scottish guy that I hadn't spoken to before. And I told my colleague, oh, can you wingman me to this guy? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And as we're like making our way through the crowd to meet this Scottish guy, um, there's like one group in between us and it happens to be Luca, my boyfriend and his colleagues. And so my colleague, his name is Steph, he's friends with Luca and he introduced me to him and then all the other Italians in that company. And I honestly don't even remember meeting him for the first time because I was so focused on meeting this other Scottish guy. And the party turned uh, to, went into another, went to a bar and um, the Scottish guy gets crazy drunk like super fast and I was like oh god like this is pointless and then I realized hey actually the guy that I'm supposed to be with like is right in front of my face and we just started chatting and we hit it off straight away and we were bonding over how he had been to South America for six months on his own and he hadn't done Patagonia and I was saying oh my god that's like my dream place to go to and it was just very very easy it was great um third is favorite country very tough one very tough I, my initial reaction was Italy because it has like food, culture, beautiful landscapes, mountains, sea, islands. Then I also thought, okay, well, Nepal and Bhutan are really freaking awesome as well. Um, and then I was like, oh, Australia, New Zealand, they have their own, like, I would love to live in Australia or New Zealand if only they weren't so isolated from the rest of the world. Anyway, that was a tough one. Couldn't narrow it down. And then favorite quote. This is so tough. I'm sure there's like a million that I just can't remember but one that always sticks with me is like the only constant in life is change and that always helps me actually in bad body image moments I'm like look you know nothing stays the same forever everything changes in life just like this like this feeling that you're having right now or the way you think your body looks right now tomorrow it's gonna be different or in a week it's gonna be different so it's okay and obviously in other kind of like challenging moments in life too Next question, would the 30-day reboot course be useful for someone with bulimia? Great question. The answer is yes. So the 30-day reboot at the core is about lifting restrictions, lifting the control, the stress and guilt around food, and hence the binging, because the binging comes from the restriction. So we do that. 
We learn how to move to more food peace, more food freedom with a dash of body image work too. Actually, depending on your definition of bulimia, it changes from different sources. Some say the purging is just vomiting and others say the purging is any way to sort of start to get rid of those excess calories taken on in a binge, like over-exercising, fasting, laxatives, enemas. So I actually did all of those things except the vomiting. I actually tried to many times but couldn't get myself to do it. So apart from the vomiting, technically I experienced bulimia and um, at the end of the day, the 30-day reboot for me came from a personal place. It was something I experienced myself um, along with obviously the learnings from my coaching certification and from working with so many other women and their experiences. But overall, it was a personal thing and it was almost creating something for my younger self, like something I wish I'd had when I was struggling. So in that sense as well, it really was made for someone who had struggled with bulimia, with binge eating, with sort of like orthorexia and just excessive control around food and weight in your body. Hopefully that helps. And then what else? I'm a new follower. What are your qualifications? Good question. So first of all, welcome. I did a, I'm a certified food and body coach with a company called Hungry for Happiness. So that was a 400 hour, 11 month intensive program where we, we really learned how to get to the root of helping women heal their food and body relationship. And that was great. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, so, so we did like, we did all the, the, course curriculum and then we did internal practicum so we practiced coaching and helping women on our course and then we practiced it on external people and we had those recorded and our mentors gave us feedback and it was very very in-depth and then of course not a qualification but experience which I think matters massively that was just actually my 10 years of experience going through binge eating bulimia yo-yo dieting weight fluctuation orthorexia poor body image, like all those things, I, I've actually noticed that in one-to-one settings or group settings, a lot of the time women tell me that what they really love most with working with me is that I really just get it. And I I truly have been through those struggles that they've been through. And sometimes people have worked with professionals, therapists or whoever who haven't actually experienced the suffering of being in an eating disorder. And they notice that it it feels really different to work with someone who does get it. Next question. Did your skin and hair improve after recovering from binge eating? So skin absolutely did, without a doubt. Um, My binges were mostly extremely, very, very high processed sugar. So my skin definitely thanked me once I stopped binging. And the past six months, actually, I've been boasting to my family, have been literally the best skin months of my life, like since I was like 13. It's been amazing. I was always like, oh my God, I'm like, I thought you're supposed to stop getting pimples and whatever when you're like a teenager. Why do I still have them? And I'm in my late 20s. My skin is definitely not perfect, but it's come such a long way. So I can, I finally don't think that I have bad skin, which I thought was just something I'd always have my whole life. Regarding the hair, I didn't see such an obvious change, um, though I did have a hairdresser ask me once if I had been previously ill or if I was now taking any supplements because he saw lots of new hair growth coming through. And I don't know if that was to do with binge eating or actually 
the PCOS I had at the time because a symptom of that is hair loss. So maybe maybe something to do with that. So I can't really make a conclusive uh, conclusion. <laughs> okay. Was your cholesterol vitamin levels really, were they really bad when you were binge eating? I didn't ever do an official test to narrow that down. And I wish I did. I really do. Um, I, I would have been very curious to have known. And as for also my blood sugar levels and insulin sensitivity, I was, I remember truly fearing that I would get diabetes. And I was honestly shocked that I didn't, like completely shocked. I don't know how I didn't thankfully. How do you feel about eating schedules with foods that satisfy you and that you enjoy? I'm not sure if scheduling is me controlling things, but I really kind of like to have some structure. With this, I think that so much of what we do is about intention. I mean, look at exercise, right? The intention could be, I want to strengthen my body. I want to have some fun. I want to move like I did when I was a kid. I want to take care of my heart health. Or it could be, I need to punish myself for eating that bar of chocolate and burn off twice as many calories as it was. Totally different. And um, this is a bit of a going on a tangent, but this is something so fascinating that I heard on a podcast once. They were saying that your mental state, so that, let's say like how stressed you are when you do things, when you, they actually said when you eat foods, so how stressed you are will change the way that you absorb how your body experiences those foods. And so if you're eating really healthy stuff, but you're very stressed, your body won't absorb it as well. And it was similar for exercise as well. If you're doing exercise that stresses you out versus not feeling stressed out when you do it, it's going to have a completely different impact on your body. So yeah, that just came into my mind when I was thinking about the intention behind exercise. So if you know that your intention behind wanting to plan and schedule your food is rooted in fear, control, anxiety, lack of trust with yourself, then it might be worth trying not to do that and working on finding safety without having those things, that you are safe without the schedule and the planning. I will say that from my point of view, like I personally like having a rough schedule, like knowing like within a one to two hour gap when I have my meals each day, I'm pretty much like consistent. And that's just for practicality, just the same. I like to have routine and like give my body that regular predictable nourishment. I used to get very anxious if my food plans were thrown off or if someone said, oh, let's have dinner, you know, at like 9 p.m. And I was like, no, I like I need to stop eating by 7 p.m. Um, but I'm way more flexible now if something happens. Next question. How do you stay positive and motivated? You're always so happy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I definitely do have my down days and moments, particularly in lockdown. There have just been, I've definitely had phases where I was ugh, just like very unmotivated in life. What is life? It's so monotonous. One of my greatest joys in life was unaccessible, which was travel. So that was really getting me down. But um, another Another thing about my down days is I have been practicing now for quite some time, actually since I did my coaching certification course where I learned this tool of how to process emotions in a healthier way and not let them take over, not let them linger for too long and create this negative feedback loop where you keep thinking about it and then feeling it and thinking about it. Also, my boyfriend's an amazing support system in these tough times to give me perspective and um, help me not get too sucked into it. And then I also just tr have been really trying very purposefully to fill my world more with things that I love, that bring me joy, that feel playful and fun, like movement, different types of exercise, 
nature, my dog, friends and family, learning like so many interesting things on podcasts all the time, trying to optimize my health, something that I couldn't do before when I was in my eating disorder because the intention behind that was sinister, trying to add in lots of like play and silliness and growth in myself with purpose as well. So that definitely helps you stay positive and motivated. And I think, yeah, just trying to be very intentional about creating my dream life. It's coming together bit by bit. It is indeed. So yeah, that makes it easier to feel motivated and happy when you're kind of like moving closer or living a life that feels really good for you. Also, I completely recognize that I have many privileges uh, in many ways and that obviously makes life easier to feel positive and motivated in life. So that's, yeah, something to add as well. How much does the reboot, the 30-day reboot cost in dollars? So it's about, at the time of recording, $138. And I say that because it's stated in pounds at a fixed price of £99. And when you pay that exchange rate based on whatever currency you're paying in, is done, you know, on that day, depending on what the exchange rate is. So right now it's about 99 pounds is 138 US dollars. But yeah, you'll, when you pay, you'll, you will be paying in your currency and there'll just be an exchange rate happening basically. Okay. So those questions I'd already answered. And now the next ones are going to be off the top of my head. Freestyle. Okay. Did you lose your period? How long did it take to come back? Good question. A lot of people lose their periods when they're in disordered eating because their body fat percentage gets too low or their personal body. Obviously, it's a different limit for everyone, but for their body to be able to feel safe to get pregnant, you need a high enough body fat percentage for your body. And that did not technically happen to me because of my eating. It was something that was already pre-existing with my PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And... Yeah, so probably not worth me answering that in terms of eating disorder. But it it did take, I mean, I think I got PCOS when I was like about 15 or maybe earlier and just got my period officially regularly this year, naturally without any medicine. How do you understand obese people issues? You are fit and cute. Oh, thanks. Thanks for thinking that I'm cute. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is a great question. First of all, uh, a bit of context. During my binging days, my weight at its most went up 25 kilos, which is over 50 pounds. So I was in a different body then, and it was a different experience physically, mentally, in the world around me, uh, other people's, um, the way they treat you. Obviously, I know that it could have been a lot more weight and people are struggling with much more weight and the what comes with that, like the way you're treated then and your physical experience then in the world. So not saying that I completely understand everyone and I probably, I mean, no one ever really can. I can say that I do understand the stresses, like the, very much the emotional side of having your weight fluctuate and go up and down a lot from where it's like the set point weight is. Now my set point weight literally is 25 kilos less than it was. And it's been effortlessly at this place for like two and a half years. So I do get it in that sense. I know how stressful, how much pressure, how distressing it is to have a body that doesn't fit the society's standard expectation 
I remember very, very distinctly when I lost weight one time during the 10 years and like gained it all back and way more. But when I lost the weight then, it was starting university and the, the treatment from men was insane. Just like suddenly you had this high of, oh my God, so much male validation. And then obviously that go- went away when I was at my highest. And it happened again when I per- like permanently or like since the last three years lost all that weight and have been at my set point weight again. Insane how differently people view you because of fat phobia and um, just like society's standards of beauty. It's really, it is so insane. And I completely understand why people say that they just really want to lose weight. They think they'll be happier then, especially when people like me had actually experienced losing weight and seeing how it felt and then gaining the weight back and then wanting to lose it to get that feeling again. I completely, completely do get that. So what I will say is, while I understand it to an extent, I obviously don't understand it beyond the 50 pounds that I, the 50 plus pounds that I had experienced life at. So if you, in your journey, want to work with someone, want help from someone who understands, like, let's say you have been up 100 pounds and I completely get why you might find what I say or my perspective, like, unrelatable or oh yeah like she just doesn't get it I totally get that and if for you it feels better to join someone on the journey on your journey who is maybe in a bigger body after they've recovered um or just like has experienced your kind of physical journey I'm 100% like behind that I think that's so helpful and I've had people say that to me in my DMs saying like I need someone who like really gets where I'm at right now. I get that. The only th- uh, the other thing I would say is like, even though right now I'm in the body that I'm in now, it doesn't mean to say that there aren't so many other women who can relate because eating disorders, binge eating, bulimia, like all these things aren't defined by just one body type. Like it, there's no appearance that fits these eating disorders. It's all different body types. It's women that you might never think would be struggling are. And so even though people in bigger bodies can't relate to me where I'm at right now, there are a lot of people who probably can relate to me. And those people might be the ones who are binge eating multiple times a week um, and then just like starving themselves the other days. And so maybe on the outside, they look slim, but on the inside, they're struggling so much. They're constantly fearing weight gain. They're controlling, so anxious. And so in that sense, maybe I am relatable for them and that it's helpful for them to hear from me, basically. So I think at the end of the day, like you can't really be relatable and helpful for everyone where they're in their where they're at in their journey. But basically find what you think is going to work for you. Like who is going to help you most? Next question. Do you believe in distractions during binge eating? People tell me to distract myself, but I don't know. Good question. Oh God. I remember people used to always tell me, oh, when you're, when you feel like binging or when you're, when you're binging, just call me, just call a friend or maybe just go do something like go on a walk. And I found that so impossible. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll try, I'll try. But 
I just knew like this is this is not gonna happen and I think I think there's kind of two levels so I think when it's when it's really down to like physical mental restriction where your body is just not getting the diversity of food not feeling perceived restriction not getting enough food I think that we shouldn't be distracting ourselves because it's a sign from your body that you you need this thing your body is trying to get you to fulfill the needs of like being able to survive by eating and so if we're distracting if we're ignoring the binge if we're always ignoring our hunger if we're ignoring these signals that's unhelpful it's just going to come back bigger later on bigger and stronger so to me it's about okay I'm binging because of physical mental restriction I'm not going to try to stop this binge in the middle or distract because that's pretty difficult to fight against your biology like your survival instinct what I'm actually going to do is as I mentioned earlier in this episode prevention is better than cure so I'm gonna try to prevent it in the future also I'd recommend like post binge process to really care for yourself and try to break the cycle there by not putting so much guilt on yourself and stress um that's something by the way I teach in the 30-day reboot yeah so I'd say prevention better than cure the other level that I would say there is is more like the emotional side and I think that that one and sorry that one and when your restriction is at a much lower level and when it's maybe more of a habitual thing by now that's where maybe you can step in and try to add more consciousness to that moment break that pattern of you know some trigger whatever it is maybe seeing your reflection in the mirror a stressful emotion and going to binge so that's the time where I think distraction or, and when I say distraction, I mean like, okay, we're going to bring this to the consciousness, conscious level. We're going to note what's going on here. And we're going to make this, we're going to apply choice here, choose something different. And if you want to call that distraction, call it whatever you want. But I think that's the, the time when you can do such a thing. Before we go on, I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about something that could really, really help you out. So if you've been loving these episodes and all of the tips and it's been really helpful, but you need a bit more structure, then I'd love to invite you into one of my two signature courses. We've got the OG, the 30 day reboot. This is an online course that you can literally start today. I share the exact method that hundreds of women have already gone through to stop binge eating and feel quote unquote normal with food again. So if you're so done with being stuck in this binge diet cycle, if you're so ready to kick binge eating out of your life and return to that relaxed, confident, happy version of you that you know is in there deep down, then this course is literally made for you. At £99, it's literally as much as I used to spend on a few binge takeouts in a few weeks. So trust me, it will pay itself back in no time. It is eye-opening and life-changing as one past alumni put it. We've also got the Empowering Body Love Academy over 10 modules in a self-paced online format as well. You'll go from hitting your body, scrutinizing it in the mirror, body checking, fearing weight gain, to completely detaching your self-worth from your body shape or size, to finally feeling like you can accept and appreciate your body for all of it does, finally freeing up mental space for bigger, better things in life. This gem is £249 or get it in three monthly installments at £99 a month. So if you are ready to shine to reach your highest potential, just scroll down to the show notes to join the 30 Day Reboot or Body Love Academy today. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Next question. 
opinions on the one-to-one diet. So I will admit I have never heard of this diet. And that's the thing, like, now that I'm out of dieting, I don't know any of these diets that are going on. So had to Google it. Let's see. It says the Cambridge one-to-one diet is a VLCD, which means very low calorie diet, meal replacement diet in which 400 to 1500 calories consumed daily through a combination of meal replacement bars, smoothies, shakes, and soups. Then when I clicked through to their actual website, it says you get a personal diet consultant, like one-to-one, who will help you create your plan and give you the products you need. And then what will I eat? Pick from our range of delicious, nutritionally balanced meal replacement food. Tuck into porridge, spaghetti bolognese, Thai noodles, shakes, smoothies, bites, and so much more. All calorie controlled, all crammed with nutrients you need, and all full of flavour. You have the one-to-one check-in once a week to inspire support, inspire and support you through the journey. So, sounds to me like it's not the, it's not really setting you up for like an actual sustainable lifestyle because you're paying for these foods that are like ready-made for you. Meal replacements is always a red flag for me. Um, Very low calorie diet is a bit of a red flag for me as well, just because that really like hits your metabolism and gets you sort of like adapted to this lower calorie count and it's not fun and it freaks out your body not a good time um so my initial reaction is doesn't sound amazing I mean it sounds nice to have a one-to-one consultant just someone to be there through the journey but it sounds like something that's also just yeah like kind of getting you hooked on this program where you're having to buy all your foods from them and you're not really learning yourself how to live a bit more like sustainably, like have it, changing your, your actual just lifestyle, like the way that you view food, the way that you nourish yourself. Going back to that thing, though, that I said, it's all about intention. And I know like for some people doing things like this, like really does help them get to their goal and they feel great and they are able to then just like find a happy place where things don't become disordered and it's all fine. And so that does happen for people. Um, But I think for a lot of people, you know, statistics show that diets just really backfire and you end up regaining the weight and it can very easily lead, spiral down into disordered eating, eating disorders. So I'm always very wary of these types of things where it's controlled, it's planned, it's prepared, you're allowed things, you're not allowed other things, it's very low calorie it's, it always fascinates me because like we're so convinced, obviously we're sold this idea that these special diets are like the only way to get us to lose weight and be happy and feel healthy and all those things. And it's, and I truly like believed that as well. I was like, there's no way that I can just get there without doing something so planned and controlled. And then the irony of it all was just that when I chilled the hell out, got out of my head, let my body lead the way, sorted out a bunch of other things in my life that were blocking me from living in alignment then my body literally just found its way to the weight that it wants to be at that feels effortless and easy without any control it still blows my mind to this day actually like looking back at that but I've I've had other clients say the same thing over months and months of recovery that eventually your body finds its way and 
it finds its way on its own terms, like not with a consultant telling you that this is the amount of calories you need and these are the only foods that you can eat. So in that, because of that, it feels so much more sustainable because it's your body has found your way. Every, everybody is unique. That's the cool thing about the journey is like your body knows exactly what it needs. Your job is to get out of your own way, basically. Next question. Did you gain a lot of weight because of binges when you started recovery? How did you deal with it? When I started recovery, that's when the binges started to slow down. So I had gained and lost so much weight over the the first X amount of years before things started to get better for me because of my binges. Yes, so impossible not to. Like the amount of calories I was binging on, I'm still clueless as to how I didn't gain way more weight than I did. Yeah, I was binging a lot on very high calorie, high sugar things. And that weight gain was the thing that blocked me for so many years from actually recovering because it no longer became about like, I mean, obviously the binges were distressing and I wanted to stop, but my primary focus was actually my weight because I gained so much weight. And then because I was so focused on weight, I was so focused on dieting and restriction, which then kept the binging happening. So yeah, my the weight gain was the biggest blocker. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, like the one of the biggest changes in my journey that just like, it was night and day was when I finally decided like, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna stop bothering with the weight loss for a bit and just enjoy life. That's when everything changed. It's It's actually incredible how when yeah as I said when we get out of our own way let the body do its thing things work out and next up I'm in recovery from bulimia but I keep falling back can I still call it recovery it doesn't feel like it of course you can recovery is your your intention your mindset you're in a place where you've decided that you want to focus on recovery you're not purposefully staying stuck and I know uh, a lot of people you know they they choose to stay stuck because stepping into recovery is scary and hard. And, you know, a lot of us identify with the eating disorder. It's like who we are and um, aren't ready to step into recovery. But you clearly have decided that you're working on it, which is amazing, by the way. Well done. While it doesn't feel like recovery, it is because every day you're learning, you are getting stronger even if it doesn't always feel like it or look like it, you are. Recovery, yeah, like you are learning what's working, what's not. You're iterating, you're improving. Those moments when you feel like you're falling back, when you, you know, purge or you binge, remember that in recovery, there's there's no going backwards. You've chosen recovery and now it's just a journey to like food freedom, feeling great about life and yourself again. And there'll be points that feel difficult. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be times that feel like you're going backwards, but you're not because you're getting stronger and wiser every single time. Remember that those moments of binging, those purging moments, they're not failures. You're not a morally bad or corrupt person. It's just a signal. It's a clue. It's a piece of information that you get to learn from and you get to keep stepping like moving forward with that information in mind and actioning steps upon that for example like if you binged it's like okay what did I learn okay I didn't really eat a big enough breakfast today and then I kind of had a small lunch so that led to a binge in the evening lesson learned I need to prioritize 
a substantial breakfast, get my lunch in. Okay, next step, let's let's implement that. And if a binge happens again, let's understand why and keep making those those tweaks. Next question. Oh, this is a good one. Is binging and purging always caused by restriction? I actively try to not restrict, but I still do it. Oh, this is great. So I'm assuming here she's referring to, as when restriction, she's referring to mental and or physical. And yes, a lot of it is caused by that, but there can also be, so the emotional side, emotional restriction, i.e. suppressing your emotions, going to binging, purging to um, numb from that. For example, stress, poor body image, overwhelm, loneliness, um, feelings of being out of control. That's one. And then another big one is, so you may have been doing this for years and now you're like, okay, let me stop restricting. Let me fuel my body, but you're still binging and purging. That may be because it's a habit. It's quite hardwired. I don't want to say hardwired because you can change it, but it's quite wired into your brain now. This whole like loop, this expectation, this routine of like, on a Friday night, I binge and I get this mini high and then I do this and blah, blah. It's habitual. You've been doing this thing for so long. So even when you take away those, the first reason, the, the first causes for it, you might still do it. And you need to first of all recognize, okay, like I definitely honestly am lifting all the restrictions. So once you know you, you're sorting that out, now you can deduce that, okay, it is a habitual thing and that we can 100% change. It's just going to take some consistency and some patience and some time. Really starting off with finding, like giving yourself that one piece of proof, like breaking the mold that one time, moving away from this subconscious loop, this pattern and moving it into the conscious. So habits are subconscious. Our brain makes them subconscious so we don't have to think about it. So we save energy. Our brain loves habits and routine. It's like, we don't have to think about it. But now that we want to move it out of habit, we need to move it into the conscious so we can change it. And so that's the challenge for you is, okay, let me notice when's the pattern? When do I usually habitually binge and purge? How can I break this one time? Be really conscious in this moment. It's going to be hard at first, but it is possible. And then give yourself that one experience that one piece of proof where you break the habit and celebrate that so so much proving to yourself I can break this habit this it is not me I can like do something I can be someone else I can do something else and maybe you know it's not going to be every time after that that you break the habit maybe you'll like go back to the old ways a few times that's of course understandable if you've been doing this for years your job is to just keep as much as you can bringing things to the conscious bringing it to the conscious breaking the habit giving yourself more proof and then over time it'll become easier and easier and that old habit is going to die off because you keep trying to change it and your brain realizes hang on a second like we're not sticking to this routine anymore Maybe this isn't something that needs to stay in the subconscious. What has she been doing instead? Maybe that's the thing that needs to become habit now That's that we don't have to think about anymore instead. So yeah, patience, consistency, giving yourself proof, bringing it to the conscious level. Okay, let's do one more question. Ooh, how can I stop myself from thinking about food? I can't stop binging. 
this is so fascinating. I used to be the exact same. I was just like, oh my god, I just, all I think about is my next meal. I'm just planning, 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 scrolling on Instagram at like brownies and desserts and cookies, salivating like, oh my god, I just really want to have that, but I can't. So right now, please just don't think about a pink elephant. No matter what you do, just don't think about a pink elephant. I'm guessing an image of a pink elephant popped into your head in some capacity. So when we tell ourselves to not think about something, we think about it. Like we can't, we can't force thoughts away. All we can do is let them like realize that we're not those thoughts. We don't have to identify with them and we don't have to push them away and suppress them. They're not, they're not bad. Like thinking about food, is not a bad thing. So not trying to force them away, but I think on a, on a, a higher level realizing that okay why am I thinking about food all the time why can't I stop binging and food fixation food you know fantasizing is such a symptom such a sign of under eating or mental restriction not letting yourself have those cookies not letting yourself have the pizza or the things that you want to have so then all you can do is think about them and then you can't stop thinking about them this relates to, because it's related to physical mental restriction, this goes back to that whole survival instinct behind binging, like wanting to get your, your body wanting to get you to eat. And part of that is food fixation mentally. So not only do they have this, you know, you have this urge to, to binge and, you know, you just like physically can't stop yourself. It's also that builds up of food fixation, can't stop thinking about it. That's your survival instinct doing that trying to get this woman to eat and one way to do that is to get her to think about it all the time and um it's it's a pretty cool system if you ask me because it's like I only learned about it in the past few years but I was like oh my god it makes perfect sense like your body is really doing its job it's only that our our mind our ego who's so scared of weight gain so scared of being out of control is like fighting it but in reality we need to go with it because when we listen to the body we're going to be able to find that balance and that health again. Okay, I'm going to stop there. There are a few more questions, but anyway, I'm going to answer those on my story as well. But thank you everyone for asking all those questions. They were so great. And I'm sure many of you got a lot out of the answers and related to the questions as well. That's it from me today. I'm heading off to the Lake District for the weekend with my family, some outdoor time. Hopefully the weather's good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And that's the scoop for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new that you can start applying to your life. It really helps my podcast to grow and reach more women who are struggling as well when you rate and review. So if you got a spare minute, I would appreciate it so much if you could rate and review. And if you took something from this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with someone in your life change someone's day, mood, or even their life. Be that person. I know I absolutely love it when my sister sends me podcast episodes. It just shows me she's thinking of me and she wants to help me elevate alongside her. As always, feel free to DM me on Instagram at freewithbreed. I'm always open for feedback and let me know what you want me to speak about on the podcast because after all, this podcast is for you. Okay, that's it from me. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I will see you next time.